thank you for joining us on Cannabis Council Cast today to talk about the new Congress and the possibilities of shift in political power, bringing reforms to the cannabis industry at the federal level. My name is Emily Liangini. I'm a partner in the LA office of Errant Fox and a member of our cannabis industry group. I'm delighted to be joined today by my colleagues, David Grosso and Oliver Spurgeon from the firm's government relations group. David and Oliver have been very carefully tracking legislative developments happening on the Hill and just so excited to have them here today to chat with us. David and Oliver, welcome. Thank you, Emily. It's good to be here. So excited to join you in this podcast today. Should be a lot of fun. Thanks so much, Emily. So the two of you recently published a client alert regarding the possibility of having some meaningful reforms of our federal cannabis laws. Could you give us a sense of kind of what's happening on the Hill right now and the nature of the reforms that are being discussed? Sure, Emily. The energy right now on Capitol Hill is really being driven by private markets and engagement from citizens all around the country. And so there's a focus on three core areas. One, reforming cannabis laws because of justice-minded citizens and the impact of the nation's drug war for decades. Two, a number of states are running into budget crunches, and so Congress is thinking about ways to give states more authority to conduct their own cannabis administration. And then three, really trying to make sure that businesses that are engaged in the cannabis industry had the autonomy and ability to interact with the tax system and conduct business in a way that most other organizations can around the country. That's what's driving the energy in Congress. And it seems like this is a bipartisan priority for so many folks. I think Oliver really hit nail on the head. I think the challenge here is now just how they get it through with all of the busy calendar that they have on the Hill and whether or not they can find the space and time on the Hill to get this done. The House hasn't even taken it up yet. And the Senate, you know, has always been the barrier to actually moving this, has new leadership and could move it if something came from the House. And it might have to start in the Senate, given the schedules that we're seeing. But I think you can't overemphasize the reality that there's a new day in this country when it comes to racial equity. And I think that's driving a lot of this as well. It's this time to recognize that the war on drugs has failed and that it has done more harm than good. And ultimately, we need to undo that harm. And one way to do that is stop putting people in jail for the possession of marijuana. Great. Thank you. So, David, you had mentioned that the Senate has historically been one of the blocks to having meaningful reforms in this area. Of course, the one possible exception um, in the past has been the former Senate Majority Leader, Mitch McConnell, who, as I'm sure our listeners are aware, was the unlikely but steadfast champion of the hemp industry and was, I think, arguably the one who is responsible for hemp no longer being a controlled substance in the U.S. With the change of power in the Senate, does that change the calculation? Do we have a greater likelihood of other types of cannabis reform under the Senate's new leadership? Well, I'll start and then let Oliver chime in on this as well. You know, the fact is, is that I think that probably McConnell was interested in that purely for the financial reasons. Uh, you know, the fact is that he has a lot of farms that would love to make money off of growing hemp. And the movement of hemp in the market had changed enough that they needed to get in and play that game. The fact is now, though, that Senator Schumer has been pushed more and more towards trying to do what's right by the people that elected him, which is a large 
largely a minority class that has been subjected to the war on drugs. And so how do you make up for that? And he has historically been very into incremental steps, decriminalization, slowly moving forward, not actually embracing the tax and regulate market that really is where we are now. So uh, you'll see, I think, a tremendous shift moving forward. But Oliver, what are your thoughts on that? So this issue definitely brings together strange bedfellows. You talked a lot about the ability of farmers in Kentucky to be engaged in this issue because it's an opportunity for them to grow their business. It's also an opportunity for folks in urban neighborhoods to start local businesses as well. And so you get folks from the left who are more progressive and see this as something that impacts the urban core. And you bring folks from rural communities and typically kind of moderate Republicans representing farm states who are also interested in this because it's the ability to grow their economy. And so this is the kind of issue that strikes a balance between the left and the right. I think the more justice-minded issues are what could typically trip up some of that bipartisan cohesion that you've seen. You're likely to see some of those more moderate Republicans maybe start to kind of pull back when you talk about some of the changes around mandatory minimums and things that we've seen that they've committed to and talked about and campaigned on uh, for the past couple of decades. And so these things have been part of Republican orthodoxy, but you're starting to see a bit of evolution, although later than you, you see among more Democratic-minded folks, but you're starting to see an evolution from a lot of Republicans on this because they've realized you can't just lock up every single person uh, just for carrying small amounts of cannabis. Great. Thank you. So we've talked about a number of different types of potential reforms. Are there specific bills floating around that folks should be aware of? Yeah, I mean, just right off, we have to be looking for the bill that's going to be introduced and really has been worked on jointly between Senators Booker, Wyden, and Majority Leader Schumer, which will be, I think, the main legislative approach to reforming cannabis laws. And it's going to start there in the Senate. Oliver, there's some movement in the House as well, if you want to cover those too. Sure. So as I mentioned earlier, we've got these three core issues that they're focused on in cannabis reform. States' rights, the justice rights issue, and then the ability to help businesses compete in the marketplace. The first thing you're likely to see a big push on as a part of this comprehensive effort is the inclusion of what's known as the Safe Banking Act, trying to make sure that cannabis-related businesses have the ability to put their money into banks and that they actually can compete in the market and be taxed just like other businesses so that they're not carrying around large amounts of cash, a safety issue for a number of those businesses, their employees, and their owners. I think you're also likely to see a big push on expungement. And so there's a bill that was introduced during the last Congress called the MORE Act that really pushes to help folks folks who had prior convictions to expunge those convictions and to also help do a lot of education and retraining for folks who have either been justice involved or come out of the justice system who were involved with cannabis before. And the last thing you're likely to see a big push on as a part of this comprehensive effort is something called 280E, the section of the IRS code, Internal Revenue Code, that allows businesses to write off typical business expenses. Cannabis businesses don't have the ability to do that. And so there are a couple of bills that would fix 280E to allow cannabis businesses to do so. You're likely to see Democrats in the House try and combine all of these three issues into one big bill. And so there's a legislator that we've been keeping our eye on, Earl Blumenauer, who's likely to be the lead Democrat in the House working on this issue. Yeah, I think he's been a champion of the industry for many, many years now. If I could ask both of you to bust out your crystal balls, I'd love to hear what your predictions are for the coming year. 
All right, I'll jump in first. I don't usually do crystal ball predictions because they usually come out wrong, but I will tell you within the next year, you'll definitely see a debate in Congress on this matter. I think there will be a bill that is moved through the Senate before the end of the year, which means that I think there will be one in the House as well. I'm not sure that they'll agree entirely, and I think Oliver points out that some of these more justice-oriented provisions are going to be debated very heavily. I think you'll see some folks trying to put more and more provisions in there on their own pet projects, which is something we see happen a lot in Congress. If it does get through, I think it'll be quickly signed by the president. Uh, President Biden has shown that he does support full reform around cannabis laws, which is great because he's also evolved on this. A lot of these long serving politicians have had to evolve their stances on a lot of things. And this is one area where we're going to see major changes. So I would think that he would sign it into law very quickly. Yeah, if I had to also give you my thoughts on this, and I'm not a big fan of crystal balling, but here it goes. I think you're likely to see these provisions once again being split up. So instead of all being combined together, as we just talked about, if Congress decides to try and do some sort of tax modification bill, they're likely to include an effort to allow states to kind of self-regulate and tax cannabis and cannabis-related businesses. And then to also, on the same end, do the 280E fix so that businesses are engaged in the tax system. I think that's likely to bring supporters from the left and from the right. You get a bit of revenue so that Republicans are happy and Democrats are happy because you're bringing more folks into the base and you're actually creating an industry and growing in the industry here. So I think you could really see some strange bedfellows coming together, this Congress, to really make this work. But as David said, it's going to be a longer road to hoe and a tougher road to hoe to get some of those more justice-minded changes into a comprehensive package. Great. Thank you both. Really appreciate you both joining us today on our episode of Cannabis Council Cast. As I mentioned at the top of the show, David and Oliver recently published an alert on this topic, and we will include a link to that in our show notes. And David and Oliver, first off, I apologize for making you answer the crystal ball question. I too hate answering those questions, particularly on a recorded line, but appreciate you playing along and humoring me. Before I let the two of you go, do you have any final words that you'd like to share with our listeners? I think the one person who has the Ability to play a major role on this issue is the president. He didn't really come out strongly on one side or the other of cannabis issues during the campaign. But if this is one of the causes that he takes up, and I think it's something that he could be induced to do, depending how some of his other issues on infrastructure and tax reform go, this could be something he might weigh in on, tipping the scales for something that includes more of a justice-minded framework. I also agree with that. And in addition to that, I think we're going to see a lot of pressure come down from the rest of the world. I mean, the world is changing on this. We see it. Uh, Mexico is fixing to legalize it. Canada is well on the way. We're going to be pressured in the United States, I think, to do something different. And uh, I'll just end with a hopeful note. I hope that when we finally get this done, the federal government gets out of the way and lets the states regulate, but uh, gives the states the opportunity to coordinate amongst each other to make sure that it's not too big a burden on our business community to try to operate across state lines, because otherwise, I think it will continue to be very difficult for many businesses to operate. Emily, thank you so much much for having us. We appreciate it and look forward to continuing to work with you on this here at Aaron Fox.